The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to Episode 43 of The Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at The Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania and to relentlessly, vigorously, and methodically pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem, which of course assumes that your goal is to be solving the correct problem, but I digress. We have an unsettling episode planned for today, and like all episodes of The Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts – You, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we are an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always drop us a line at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Today for the you part, we have some good stuff from a Democratic candidate for the Pennsylvania Senate. She's got some planks that will keep us busy for a little while. And we heard from another spammer, time permitting. After the you part comes part two, the them part, where we, eat, where we host a guest each episode to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental challenges facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today is Liz Jordan from Clear Path Wellness of the Lehigh Valley, discussing recovery from sexual traumatization. I told you it would be an unsettling episode today. After the them part comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it'll be my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today is nothing new. It's actually going to be a continuation of what I started in episode 42. Specifically, I'm going to be discussing more of the unsettling questions that I've asked in the previous 41 episodes of the Pennsylvania Project that for some reason never got answered. If you were here last episode, you'll know what what those things are. And throughout our show, as is our long-established custom, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to serve as a narrator to read our live commercials. Today we have Ed. Ed, I'm sorry, I didn't get a pronunciation on your last name. Metz, just like the baseball team. Metz. Ed Metz from the Pocono Toastmasters from all the way up in... Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. The Poconos. Yeah, great place. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Ed. Thank you. Listen, I I always ask everybody, what do you like about being a Toastmaster? I like the spontaneity that it uh, that it requires when we do the table topics. Uh-huh. You have to think on your feet. Boom! I'm talking about something totally unplanned. It's a blast. You mean like what I just did to you just now? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's why I joined Toastmasters to okay. feed my political hobby, avocation, whatever you want hmm. to call it. Cool. And I learned about it. We also have with us a second Toastmaster today, according to another one of our customs, to help read and respond to whatever comes into our mailbag and to join in discussions with our guest. It's a role that we call cohort, and today's cohort is a distinguished Toastmaster, Kate Conti, no stranger to the Pennsylvania Project. She was our narrator in episode 33, ah, cohort in episodes 35 and 37, and a member of the Doylestown Toastmasters in, you guessed it, Doylestown. Welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Kate. Thanks, Ken. Great to be here again. It looks like we shook shook off your curse. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> the last two times that she was here, 
our guest had to bail on us for one reason. Hit a deer was one, and I don't remember what the other one was. The last three times, Ken. Three, three times. Three times. Three times is a charm. I was worried it was me. Well, it was, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. No, it's good to have you back. Well, our guest is here and waiting in the wings. So in the meantime, I think we should just get to that mailbag. So let's start with that. And remember, our mission here is not to complain, but to actually explore real solutions. Okay, Ken. Here's our first email question. In episode 41, Tina LaRoche in Oops. Warminster. You've got the wrong page. We answered Tina last week. Uh-oh. There you go. Let's start that again. <laughs> this is from Michelle Siegel from Sellins Grove, Pennsylvania. Hi, I'm running for PA Senate District 27 against John Gordner. I have many liberations in my area supporting my campaign, and they suggested I reach out to this program. I think she means liberals. Autocorrect. Liberals. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll... <laughs> I feel it's very important to have open primaries, rank choice, and a better, more transparent system to get third parties on the ballot and something I am running on, and also I'm running against the awful bills coming out of Harrisburg that infringe on our rights like MMJ patients and not being able to be a gun owner. There you go. Well, hello, Michelle. Thanks for the message. And we're all wondering what you might have meant by liberations in your area. We're debating whether it's a typo for libertarians, liberals, or whatever. And I think Ed was right. I think it's an autocorrect problem. We all get caught in the autocorrects. Yeah. You know, I recently found out that it's autocorrect. It triggered a question from episode 35. It was, was a face mine. It was a Facebook question, and it wasn't yours. The question was, what bothers you about Pennsylvania? And a woman named Michelle Branthover replied, grammatical errors. Well, I thought she was serious about grammatical errors being a problem in Pennsylvania. And I talked about that for a while, but it turns out I completely misunderstood the woman. What I recently found out from our producer, Mark, was that the original Facebook question was not what bothers you about Pennsylvania. It got auto-corrected to say what brothers you about Pennsylvania. Go figure. That's, what, that's why she typed in grammatical errors. <laughs> grammatical errors. <laughs> Makes a lot more sense that way, you know? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But I digress for taking the liberation here. Let's get back to her question. I like some of those planks. Fighting for cannabis rights? That's something we take very seriously here at the yes, we do. Project. Uh, episode 27 was broadcast from the Kutztown Cannabis Fest, and we are on the air in Kutztown these days, too. I think this may be the I don't know, second or third episode in Kutztown. Well, I'm glad to hear she's on our side on that issue. And the other one was good old Article 1, Section 21 of the Pennsylvania Constitution, which says the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves in the state shall not be questioned. I'm glad to hear she's one of us, even though she didn't specifically cite the Pennsylvania Constitution. Do you think maybe she went to school, one of those schools controlled by the Pennsylvania School Board? Sounds like it. Yeah. But I'm digressing. You're going to hear about more of that possible connection during our first commercial break. Ms. Siegel also weighed in on something we libertarians love, ranked choice voting. You familiar with that? No. What's that? No. It's an idea... That it turns the idea of one person, one vote, turns it on its head, actually changes it around. There are all sorts of ways you can approach it. They vary in the details. But in generally, the way it works is you don't vote for one person. You vote for your top two, three, four choices instead. 
you rank mm. people who you like best, second best, third best. That's interesting. And I know the, the Toastmasters in the room, we're all Toastmasters in this room. Yes, we are. Fact. Uh, you're familiar with how contests work in Toastmasters. Yes. Judges will rank people first, second, and third. This is a ranked voting method. The way they do it is they assign points. If you're first place, you get three points. Second place, you get two points. Third place, you get one point. And then the judges will tally up all the points for each contestant, and whoever gets the highest number of points wins. Now, you notice how somebody can win and never get a first place vote. Because if, if the vote is real scattered and one person got two, you know, second, 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 they've got 10, 12 votes, 12 points. And somebody who was first, third, 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 they may only have six or seven. Ranked choice voting. That could really make a difference. It can. Lots of other ways it can work, too. And I'm not going to go into all those details. Point is, it reveals more of a voter's preference, more than one person, one vote. And something I like is it raises the odds of a challenger candidate getting elected, which is something of great interest to us challenger parties, libertarians. Yeah, it's less all or nothing. Yeah. And that way, you don't hold your nose as much when you go vote. A lot, a lot <laughs> yeah. of people, they do. And they just say, oh, man, I don't like any of these guys. One thing we have in the Libertarian Party is we have NOTA, N-O-T-A, none of the above. I love that. If none of the above gets a majority, you cashier the entire slate and you start all over again. That sounds like a great idea. I know. I'd love to have it. You know, I know a guy who's an expert on ranked choice voting. As a matter of fact, he's very schooled on it. I think we should get him on the on the was, show. Yeah, he could be another guest. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to our producer Mark about it, and he was real excited about the whole idea too. Yeah, I'll reach out to him. Maybe we'll get him on another three or four episodes. We'll see. Well, let's get back to Michelle Siegel, our candidate for the Pennsylvania State Senate in District 27, northeast of Harrisburg, and southwest of Scranton, which includes Knobles, by the way, one of my favorite places on the planet. Mm. I do take exception to one thing she said. I like a lot of it, but there's one thing she said that I really took a step back. That was open primaries. As a libertarian, I stand strongly against open primaries. Not that I'm anti-voting. I'm anti-special interest, especially when it's politicians who are feeding at the public trough. I don't like that. I went into open primaries in great detail in my rant at the end of episode five. I went on again about it in episode 29. What's this, now we're at 43, so it's been a while. I'm not going to repeat the rant, but it's been long enough. I'm going to sum up briefly what I said about why open primaries are bad. They're bad for three main reasons. First of all, they bar, deliberately bar, certain voters from voting. Do you know all the bills that I've seen when they say open primaries? They say, yeah, anybody can vote. Uh, only nonpartisans. Only non uh, libertarians, Greens? No, 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 you can't. You can't vote. Democrats? Sure. Republicans? Sure. No, no. Third parties, challenger parties? No, can't vote. I don't understand how that's an improvement. <laughs> it's not. It's not. What they're doing is trying to buy them off. I, I don't call them open primary bills. I call them persecute the opposition bills. Sounds like it. They're trying to stop us. And she's in favor of them? And she also says she's in favor of third parties on the ballot? I'm not sure you understand. Looks like the two things don't quite jive up. I guess she's in favor of third parties when it comes to things other than primaries. It would have to be other than primaries. Mm -hmm. Well, that's reason number one. They bar certain voters, me being one of them as a registered libertarian these last 20-some years. Second reason open primaries are bad is because they deliberately destroy the rights of political parties. 
How do they do that? Well, think of it this way. Should a total stranger tell you how to run your life? No. No, of course not. Should Ford dictate who runs for General Motors Board of Directors? No. No. Well, if you're a member of one of the two old parties, do you want non-members picking your candidates for you? No. No. You know, random unaffiliated people, they may have an agenda. Say, I'm going to pick the worst possible candidate. We're going to vote for Oh, I won't say any names. <laughs> that sounds like a good strategy, actually. Yeah, it is. But that's what open primaries do. They allow atheists to say who can become a priest, if you want to take it to an extreme. So they're bad. But there's a third reason, and this is the biggest reason. This is why I really, really hate primaries in general, because they allow special interests to milk the taxpayers. Here's another question. I'm going to be ranting about unanswered questions. Here's another unanswered question. Somebody, tell me why, why we, why do we Greens, lib, Green, Libertarians, Independents, Nonpartisans, Communists, why do we have to pay for their candidate selection process? I agree with that because I'm independent. Yeah. Why should we pay for it? I agree with that. Why can't they pay for it themselves? That's right. When I ran for governor in 2018, I went out to, to the, our convention, paid for my own hotel room. We, I paid to get into the convention. We paid for the hotel. Not a dime of taxpayer dollars went into that. Why can't they do that? You know, I, I always assume people have good intentions, and they do. I found that in politics. You may think somebody is a black-hearted thief, but they're not. People in politics generally care very deeply about the communities they serve. Or at least they start out that way. Well, I, I'm assuming that Ms. Siegel, is, she has some good intent, and I just misunderstood her. So see if we can get her on the show. Yeah. We can get a lot of people on this show. Make a list. Yeah. Well, you know, anybody who likes ranked choice voting, she's got to be all right. Maybe she has this great alternative plan for open primaries where people come in and they put a quarter into the machine and they can vote. Yeah, she needs to explain herself. I don't know. Let's hope. What else we got, Kate? Oh, you don't have anything else. We're a mess today. How about this from Matt Turner, Gloucester, New Jersey? Hello. <coughs> I'm selling a domain name that might interest you, PennsylvaniaPodcast.com. Please <laughs> let me know if you're interested. Signed. Matt Turner, Gloucester, New Jersey. Another spammer. <laughs> well, you know, maybe he's not quite a spammer. I think I'll be polite. Let's call him an internet salesman. Yes, internet he, salesman. He really didn't send this out to a million email addresses. Just not, you. Yeah. It, well, it took some personal effort. He had to go out there to our website and physically t- type it in by hand. But you can tell he doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> if he did, he'd know that although we do have a podcast post show, we're primarily a talk radio show. Two radio stations, I must add, as I mentioned, Philly and Kutztown now. And apparently he's not familiar with internet culture either. Because one of the worst things you can do from a search engine perspective is to have two different web addresses for one place because it splits up your traffic, lowers your search engine rankings, confuses your listeners. Besides, what's wrong with PennsylvaniaProject.com, right? We are the Pennsylvania Project. Maybe we get him on the air, too. I don't Find know. Out what he's, yeah, you're right. I don't know what his story is. You're right. He that is, doesn't make any sense. He is from New Jersey. Let's move on. Let's move on. No, that's it. We're out of time on this. Oh. Actually, we're 42 seconds over. Oh, my goodness. So on that inquisitive note, that's going to have to do it for the you portion of episode 43. We're going to pause for this information. And when we return, we'll be visiting with, her, with today's guest from Clear Path Wellness of the Lehigh Valley, Liz Jordan. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. 
more than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do those words sound like they're coming taken from a Hollywood political thriller? Well, they're not. They're all direct quotes taken from Article I of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's long past time we changed those answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we've authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, head over to our website, PennsylvaniaProject.com, and add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Do it now while it's on top of your mind. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore. Wow. Ed, you got a great radio voice. I'll tell you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Read very well. Hey, Ken Crosshock here again, and welcome to the them portion of episode 43 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help us showcase political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today is all cultural. Her name is Liz Jordan from Clear Path Wellness of the Lehigh Valley. Their focus is on helping sexually traumatized women. And she also happens to be a veteran of the Pennsylvania Project. Here's our narrator here back in episode 34, which is how we learned her and her trade. And she's also a Toastmaster, a member of the Sunrise Toastmasters Club of Allentown. Welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Liz. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Sunrise Toastmasters? Sunrise Toastmasters. They're the Toastmasters. ones who meet at like 7 a.m. or something we like that? We meet at now 7.45 oh, a.m. Oh, you guys are slackers, 7.45. Uh, we had a little meeting change, so. Uh, 
We I had to accommodate the building we were in. Uh, there you go. Yeah, right. The janitor didn't want to wake up that early to unlock the doors. <laughs> this might be true. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's get on point, though. Yeah. Let's start at the very top. What is the clear path wellness of the Lehigh Valley? I think I can answer that best by saying that we are first a family, literally. It's my sister, two of my sisters. There's five of us all together. And we survived being raised by a father who was an alcoholic pedophile. A what? An alcoholic pedophile. Oh, my God. Yeah, everybody can take a moment and bring their breath back <laughs> because no. you can imagine that that brings in a lot of chaos at the very uh, least. I mean, right? Either, either one alone is, is dramatic. Yeah. I mean, you can push back from the table here. Yeah, yeah. My heart goes out to you, my lady. Thank you. Thank you. And when we were adults, so as we were being raised, nobody knew what was happening to one was happening to the other. We were definitely raised to be quiet. With The silence part of it was a family value. And since things were occurring before we could speak, our language what, you know, and how we thought about ourselves, how we thought or who we are in the world was formed before we could speak. It's interesting because we spoke about dogs in the beginning here and how animals are impressed upon with just energy. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're, when you're an infant and then a toddler and then learning language, you're imprinted. Mm -hmm. We have, now science supports all of these things. So genetically we're coded, but that's okay because epigenetics tells us we can change, which is, Brilliant. I love hearing that. It helps the healing message. Epigenetics. Epigenetics. Mm -hmm. Never heard the word before. Yeah. What does it mean? Well, I'm no scientist. What I can tell you about epigenetics is that we're not hardwired in the way that we originally thought, in the way scientists originally thought we were. We have the ability to change our genetic code. Huh. So I still have a chance to be gay. If that's what if you, you want to be. <laughs> If that's what you want to be, welcome to the world of uh, being in a situation where you are challenged. Uh -huh. Well, that's that's usually the one where they like to reprogram people. The oh, that's heartbreaking lady, as well. Lady who sat in the cube next to me, highly religious. Uh, her son came out of the closet, and they pray over him every day, and they send him to all these things. We could, we could change you. We can change you. That's trauma. That's that's a traumatic experience for that young man. I'm sure. Oh, I thought you meant for her. No. Probably both. I think that. When it comes to the big conversation, who we are is not up for public opinion. Uh, I would always agree with that. Yeah. There's a Kurt Vonnegut quote that I use a lot. You are who you pretend to be, so be very careful who you pretend you are. Oh, wow. I like that. I do, too. I like Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. So who Clear Path Wellness is, it's a combination of once we came to the table I'm the youngest, so at 19, I had memories from the time I was six. And so I grew up with it. It was always the deep, dark secret. Never spoke of it ever. And I was raised Catholic. And so there's... Ouch. There's the... Yeah. <laughs> I, I was raised Roman Catholic as well. Yeah, I call myself. I call myself a recovering Roman Catholic. Yes, we all are. We all are. There was no chance that I was ever going to be speaking about anything in the confessional where you're supposed to seek solace. Mm -hmm. I always felt that was all my fault anyway. And the priest that we had, he was hard, 
Oh, he was hardcore. He yelled at us. Mm-hmm. People came out of there shaking, crying, and peeing in their pants. It was awful. We had one, we had one of those too, and everybody, yeah. you know, it was the luck of the draw. The nuns would say, "Who's next? Not me. Not me." Oh, damn it. Oh, now I got to confess that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I should do a whole show about Catholicism. Yikes. We got a lot of good guesses here. Yeah. That would be tricky. Quite. You have a lot of emails, I think. Oh, uh, that's all right. And hopefully this one creates the same, generates the same sort of questions. Uh, when we decided to, st- when we became of a certain age and we were talking, I, at 19, went into a real healing journey. And... 19? I was 19 years old. It took that long? It did take that long. It did take that long. You don't, you don't speak about these things. You just don't. You know, when we were talking before the show, you know, a couple days ago about getting ready for this, that was the first thing I thought when I hung up. I thought, how brave you are. Thank you. It's uncommon bravery. And it's come on the show and, you know, talk about it, not just a person, but, you know, we got tens of thousands of listeners out there. I knew at a certain point in time that I'd come to a place of healing where I really genuinely started feeling joy. And having not been raised on that, I had this awareness of, oh my goodness, I'm feeling joy and genuine happiness uh-huh. in spite of the upbringing that I had. And I thought, oh, I have to share this. Uh-huh. And then I was like, oh no, I don't. That's too much. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> and I waited a couple months to see if that would pass, and it never did. Uh-huh. And that's when I joined Toastmasters, actually. Because when you, it, when it, you were 19? No, no, no. Oh. No, no. That okay. came later. That came. Oh. I, I've been a Toastmaster perhaps about 10 years now. Uh-huh. There was a lot that's occurred since then. So you're what, 29? That's right. <laughs> actually, 60 in a couple days. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I felt that it was the kind of topic that if I were going to speak about it publicly, I didn't want anybody feeling like they had to take care of me. And that's something that could potentially happen if I was scared or nervous or not yet in a place where I felt comfortable saying those two words together, alcohol and pedophile. Uh People tend to, and this is just just a, a response that happens. When you hear about a child being harmed, the first reaction often is you're, yeah, you, yeah. you want to fight, you want to find out who did it, and you want to beat them down, or it takes your breath away. Well, it probably always does that. Mm-hmm. But the other response is to shut down because it's too hard to hold. It's really difficult to hold knowing that a child's been harmed. And when the conversation continues, then it's a, a teenager or a woman or a man and we're not opposed to helping men. We've had brave men come through our group. It's just that women are the primary people who get in touch with us. Mm-hmm. When our sisters, when we got together and we started talking, we realized that each of us had started taking a journey in the way that suited our nature. Mm-hmm. My sister Kate is a psychotherapist. My sister Mary is an Eden energy medicine practitioner. I know, and I had that written down yeah. here. That's a that's a conversation that's probably <laughs> best handled by her, but it's a it's uh, again, there's a science to it. Uh-huh. That one is uses the practices found in the Chinese methodology of acupressure points. In many ways they're similar. Uh-huh. 
And I come in it from the yoga and meditation perspective. But all, all healing arts. All healing arts. Mm-hmm. And we combined them to be one in, a, when, in our retreat experiences. Here's what we found. When people open up to the story and they aren't personally resourced, and by that I mean if you've been traumatized, it's likely that. So let's say it's two weeks after an event, either a rape or an assault, you're likely to have post-traumatic stress symptoms mm-hmm. of anxiety or panic and inability to breathe properly or looking around your shoulder all the time. Oftentimes it's nine months out. For me, it was a lifetime of it until I was paying attention. So if you begin a healing journey and you don't know what it's like to breathe, you're just gonna continue that process of lower brain function where you're in fight, flight, or freeze. Once you begin, breathing is the first line of resource. The moment you consciously and mindfully take full breaths, now you're speaking directly to your central nervous system. You're quieting that amygdala, the the small brain activity, and you're opening left and right hemisphere, the prefrontal cortex. This is all science, and there's a collection of data. a really wonderful thing. I thought you said you weren't a scientist. Let's <laughs> listen to you going on all these well, scientific things. Being forced to study things that are useful. Yeah. Okay. My guest today is Liz Jordan of Clear Path Wellness of the Lehigh Valley. I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to episode 43 of The Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information. Do you like The Pennsylvania Project? You must. After all, you're listening to it right now. But would you like more? More of the rants, the guests, the fun? Well, you're in luck, because by popular demand, we've added even more content. Things like keeping the mics live after the credits roll at the end of the show, while we continue our on-air conversations. It's all 100% unscripted and often includes things we can't say on the air, or shouldn't. Would you like access to each episode the day it's recorded? Live streams of every show as it happens? behind-the-scenes interviews and bonus videos with our guests. All this and more is now available at PennsylvaniaProject.com. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Sign up today, and you also get a copy of Ken's novel, Atlas Snubbed, a parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. And you can even call in live and participate on the show. How's that for more content? (laughs) You can be the content. So if the idea of more Pennsylvania Project excites you, head on over to PennsylvaniaProject.com and click the More Fun link at the top of the page. Solve the correct problem correctly and sign up today. Hey, Kate here, cohort on the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job, at least for some people. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader? Communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, I can attest to that. I joined Toastmasters, and now look, I'm on the radio! (laughs) So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome. 
and be sure to mention my name, Kate Conti. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader, and it all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take, care, will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V, W-E-R-L-E-Y.com. Fly fishermen, new and old, understand the importance of affordable quality gear. At Christopher Fave Fly Fishing, we have provided that for over a quarter century. Whether you fish dries, wets, or any combination, Christopher Fave, F-A-V-E, flyfishing.com has an American-made leader for you. Pennsylvania proud, our reputation rests solely on your complete satisfaction. Again, that's ChristopherFaveFlyFishing.com. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and we're back with episode 43 of the Pennsylvania Project with one of the bravest women in the world, my guest Liz Jordan from Clear Path Wellness of the Lehigh Valley. Man, you really got me thinking about a lot of stuff. And you talk about people's reactions to this, because when I got out of high school, it was many years later, front page there of the Philadelphia Inquirer, it was started listing the first batch of pedophile priests. Mm. My English teacher was on the list. Oh my. He never liked me. <laughs> I guess I well, was. Wasn't that a blessing? I, well, I don't know. It depends what kind of a guy he was, right? I won't mention his name. My brother had him too. And he'd always pick on me. He goes, Barry never complained. And I'd say, I'm not Barry, father. And everybody go, ooh. But they're out there and you never, you never know it until, until it hits home. Yeah, it's a very secluded, secretive, shadowy place to be. Hmm. What about the, the legal side of it? I mean, of course there are laws against pedophilia and things like that and just the, the assaults in general. But do you find any place where the laws actually get in your way? Let me give you an example. On episode three, we had a woman who identifies as an adult consensual sex worker. And she was po- prostitute, essentially. Mm-hmm. And she was pointing out how the law actually creates criminals, even though people haven't done anything wrong. For example, she may drive a fellow prostitute to a, an, an arrangement, an appointment, and she will wait out front in the car because the woman could just vanish without a trace and nobody would know. But just for the act of driving her, she has now become a sex trafficker and she is liable for more penalty than the the woman who's inside the building. So the law actually creates criminals. She calls them viminals, victim criminals. Have you run into any, any place where the law is actually getting in your way? Wow, the only place that I notice where the law gets in the way, the the example that you just gave is kind of a subtext or conversation that gets in the way of people who are sex trafficked against their will. Mm-hmm. And 
while I'm sure that it's an important conversation that she has as it relates to the people that we are in contact with, a lot of women are sex trafficked. Mm -hmm. And here's where Christine Ford, who I think is far more brave than I, so when you referred to me as that, I was quickly in my mind said, oh, no, I'm not. Because she knew that she'd be on a very public stage mm -hmm. and subject to so much ridicule. In fact, any woman who decides to go to court and put that to the test. Another example is the woman who just wrote a book, Colin. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't Wait, remember her I got to back you up to Christine Ford. Who is Christine yeah. Ford? Dr. Ford is the woman who uh, stood in the congressional hearings for the Kavanaugh hearings. Oh, 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 I know who you mean now, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I don't follow the national stuff. I'm a Pennsylvania guy. Gotcha. That's why I'm here. It was, it was, she ended up being the one who had death threats. <laughs> she had to have bodyguards. Her family was threatened. And for all intent and purpose, it was, Clear. And this woman left town after what she reported happened, went to school, filed it, compartmentalized, which is what people do. Mm -hmm. This is what we do. Because survival is the thing that the brain is designed for. Uh -huh. Until it becomes a place, because the body, this is another uh, person that I learned from um, in a book uh, that he wrote, The Body Keeps the Score, uh, Doctor, I, of course, when I want to come with it, I, I can't think. It'll come. <laughs> yeah, as soon as we're off the air. Yeah, as soon as we're off the air. People, people, please forgive me for that failing mind. When you compartmentalize and then there comes a time where your body remembers mm -hmm. and that's where symptoms happen. I was skating along with kind of typical, if you will, symptoms until one day I fell into a panic attack and had no idea what it was. And I, I did a TEDx Lehigh River talk where I explained that in that moment of being in my family's home and going into the shower, I had a visceral memory and I didn't realize it at the time. I had to do another, another psychological practice called eye movement desensitization, EMDR, where I learned that there was a violation that occurred in that tub. <laughs> and when people come at women who decide to go to court and they say, why'd you wait so long? Oh, there are reasons for sense. this. It makes sense now. Yeah. And it's very unfortunate. Our, our person in charge right now was party to making fun of her. And anybody who listened to any of the hearings ended up accusing her of waiting too long, yeah. that was, she was probably drunk. And Chanel Miller, that's the name of the young woman who was violated on a college campus. She said that, I like what, how she framed it. She said the consequence for getting drunk should never be that you're raped. A hangover maybe, <laughs> but not raped. Or sexually violated I, in any way. I shouldn't laugh, but I laugh at strange things. I, just, I thought, I, well, this young woman is also a comedian. She, uh, part of the I'll way say. that she went into healing her own journey was was doing some improv uh -huh. and writing things. And she's brilliant. 
She has a wonderful memoir that's out. You got to laugh at it. Yes. So uh, let me get on on the practical side. Like sure. we are about solutions here. Love it. If if you if somebody's listening and they've got something in their background, mm-hmm. what do you what do you suggest? What should they do? Start talking. And I don't mean publicly is not the thing that people have to do. That's that's a very difficult platform. And it's not for everybody, clearly, because if it was, we would the airwaves would be packed because <laughs> the statistics for this are off the chart. And those are reportable ones. Not everybody reports. I never reported. Uh-huh. I think the first thing, practice. You can practice talking to, into a pillow, to a stuffed animal, a cat or a dog, and eventually go ahead and get some, get some professional help. Mm-hmm. If, if that's not something that you have available to you, Learn how to mindfully breathe. Learn to ex- be in your body in a way that it becomes what it was designed to be, your friend. Be with yourself in that way where you realize it wasn't your fault. You are not responsible for that action, which is how people usually end up feeling. Mm-hmm. So step one would probably really learn how to mindfully breathe. Get comfortable in the listening to your own body because, oh, are we brilliant, brilliantly made. <laughs> brilliantly That made. is true, and I've heard that from a million directions, and I've seen it. Yeah. You could see it in dance and the arts. You could yes. see it in engineering marvels like Elon Musk and right. SpaceX, watching the dual boosters landing and stuff. Incredible, right? It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Sure, You please. just did. Thank you. About the breathing, how... Does a person feel safe enough to breathe like that? And is that what you do in your retreats with people? That's one of the things that we do in retreats. So if you've been violated, your body feels like an unsafe place to like be. Like it's never going to be safe. Correct. Yeah. And you usually are just a little bit outside of your body, mm-hmm. which, again, keeps you disconnected from this Processing informational it. thing. Yeah. It's a really great question. When part of the conversation is, when we're with people in retreat, take a look around you. Feel your feet on the floor. Look into the eyes of the people that are here and ask yourself, are you safe here? And we let them know that at any time when anything changes, you need to say something, get up, walk around, Whatever it is you need to do, because you're noticing that feeling of, oh my goodness, am I safe here? Look around. Because indeed, you'll see that you are. You'll feel that you are. And once you have that, the, the mind, it's a brain is a brilliant thing. It will, it's always listening. So if you're consciously saying, oh yeah, I am safe, the brain relaxes. You shift from that uh, the primitive brain thinking, again, to that prefrontal cortex where you have rational thinking, creativity, memory, learning, breathing affords us that. So the, so it begins with take a look around and ask, am I safe here? And I, can, I have a funny story that I have permission to tell. It, during one of our yoga sessions in, in, during a retreat, there are some people who cannot even sit on a mat. It's just too threatening. So they'll, they have permission to sit on the side 
walk around. It's not your traditional, let's put on our fancy pants and try and do everything that you see. It's not that at all. It is permission to do what feels comfortable, permission to not do if you don't want to. Because a common thing is we were removed from choice. When you're given choice in a class that makes suggestions to be in your body, it's far more approachable. So I, wear sweatpants, wear loose clothing. I do not care what you look like. I care that you showed up. Yeah, that's great. It's like you're practicing feeling safe. Yes. Enough to move forward. That's brilliant. Yes, exactly. Now what you're teaching your brain, you're creating new neural pathways in your brain. That I am safe. That I am safe. I am no longer living from my past. I'm in this moment. I'm safe. And how do I want to see that future? Mm -hmm. So intention becomes part of the conversation. In meditation, we soften that that. We, it's brainwave activity. So we go from, you know, from beta to theta to alpha, if that's, that has the potential to be there. And when you're in that higher brainwave activity, now you're in a spacious place, a timeless place, and you can create from that place. You're not, your brain is not tracking your safety because you've accepted that you are. Wow. That's great work, really. I yeah. agree. It's amazing what you're doing. That is great yeah, that you're doing. really happy to be you're doing it. You're taking the energy from trauma that you all experienced and putting it together. It's just great. Yeah. Rumi has a, has a quote that I love, and it a part of it is that the cracks are where the light shines through. <laughs> nice. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah. Liz, we are out of time. It always goes so quickly. Yes, this, it does. this is heavy duty stuff, man. It I'm was. Thank Whoa, you man. so much for being brave oh. enough to hold the space for it. There oh, are a few welcome. of us that, that could do that. Is there a website or someplace you want to send people for more information? Sure. ClearPathWellnessLV.com. LV for Lehigh Valley. For Lehigh Valley. ClearPath Wellness. And from what you say, it sounds like a pardon the pun, a real family affair. <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> is. Oh. And we have very good support people as well. I believe it. You yes. must. Yes. Thank you for coming to the show. Oh, thank you. That's going to have to wrap it up for the you portion today. My thanks again one last time to the bravest woman in the world, Liz Jordan from the Clear Path Wellness of Lehigh Valley. We're going to pause for this information. And when we return, I'll be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw. Even more unanswered questions from the Pennsylvania Project. The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Ed, how's it going? Bad, Ken. Really bad. Why? What's the matter? Our friends at the Infernal Revenue Service paid me a personal visit the other day. The IRS? Yeah, two big brutish guys. Scared us all half to death. I bet. What do they want? Money. And lots of it, too. Remember that part-time gig I took on last summer? Yeah, I remember. You were really raking in some big bucks. Yeah, and all those big bucks went straight into my personal bank account. It turns out the IRS doesn't like that, and I didn't file any of the forms or pay nearly enough in taxes. So they want it all now, right now, plus penalties and interest. Ouch. Sounds like you should have called Amendment 16. Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, and when your client pays them, they pay you, minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take care of all the taxes, all the forms? Yep. And they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. 
Man, I wish I knew about Amendment 16 sooner. Where can I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N.com. One call does it all. You've been a registered libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the march toward liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for local political office yourself. It all starts with becoming a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. So visit lppa.org to sign up today. That's lppa.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to the me portion of episode 43 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw. Today, it's going to be more unanswered questions from past episodes of the Pennsylvania Project. If you were listening in episode 42, you heard me rant about 18, count them, 18 different questions that I've asked over the last 42 episodes that have never received a proper answer. Questions about the roads, for example, like... Why don't they spend the gas tax on highways? Why don't they spend turnpike toll money on the turnpike? Why do we have safety inspections for cars in Pennsylvania when 35 out of 50 states don't? Why, why, why? Beats me. There are questions about education. Like, why does the Philadelphia School Board make life hard for one of the most successful charter schools in the state? An inner city school with a graduation rate of 100%, college admission rate of 98%. Why don't schools teach our kids the Pennsylvania Constitution? We had a commercial about that. Why does government education cost more than twice as much as a private education on average? Why? Why? I ask again, why? I don't know. I asked questions last episode about our legal system. Like, why are our courts so racist? Why do they have all those mumbo-jumbo confusing rituals? Why are attorneys so damn expensive? Why can't we live stream court hearings? Why do they wear black dresses? Are the judges goth? I don't know. No reply. Not to any of these. I asked questions before about our stolen right to keep and bear arms, our stolen right to keep and bear plants like cannabis, our stolen ballot access rights, all those thefts. Not one good answer yet. Many more that I mentioned. The obvious flaws of corporate personhood about the communistic monopoly of our liquor stores in Pennsylvania. Those Gestapo-like DUI checkpoints. The list goes on and on and on. That's only a quick summary of what I talked about in episode 42. And I, I went into each one of those. And if you want to catch more detail, go check it out. Episode 42 at the end. Tons and tons of questions. And no, the answer was not 42. You Douglas Adams fans. There are so many questions that I'm back this week. I have a ton more. And I didn't have time to get to them all last episode. I don't think I'm going to have time to get to them all this episode. So here we go again. More examples of every question we've ever asked on the Pennsylvania Project and never received a proper answer. At least the ones we're going to have time for. Ready? Ready. And if you have the answers, please let me know. All right, here we go. Episode 13. Why have minimum wage laws that put people out of work, especially the young people? You know, for every unskilled 30-something who gets a $15 an hour minimum wage, two teenagers are put out of work. 
Why are we handicapping our young? Why are we interfering in the free market? Episode 7. How can they stack a jury right in front of our eyes? It's like some card shark pulling a fast one on us. They call it voir dire. I call it cheating. How come they don't tell jurors they have the right to try the law, not just the facts of a case? I was mentioned on a commercial earlier in the show today. You know, jurors can nullify any law they feel doesn't apply, even though the guy is guilty as all hell. It's called jury nullification. It's a gift from William Penn. It's in our Constitution, the one that's not being taught in our schools. And why do they make jury duty so damn difficult for we the people that it becomes a duty people try to avoid rather than a, what it really is, a restraint against the tyrannical government from passing laws that we don't think should be enforced? For example, they could never get a conviction for people who were helping runaway slaves because the jurors just said, no, yeah, we know it's a crime. No, not guilty. I hear that they did that during prohibition. Yeah, he's making bathtub gin. No, not guilty. I heard they're doing that now for cannabis crimes. Yeah, he smoked pot. No, not guilty. Why? Why, why, why? Why do they stack the juries? Why do they make it all so tough in court? That's all episode seven. Check that out. Episode six. Why is government involved at all in marriage? What are they doing in the way of true love? Did you know that marriage licenses were first created to prevent interracial marriages? Why are these using those same racist tricks against league bits today? LGBTs. I call them league bits. Why? I don't know. Episode 10. How can they possibly justify their insane war on drugs, which is directly responsible for the opioid crisis and ruining lives of thousands, not to mention costing millions, imprisoning pot-smoking Grateful Dead fans? Why? Portugal ended their opioid crisis years ago simply by ending their war on drugs. It's a no-brainer. And obviously not a topic of conversation among our lawmakers here in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, we'll give you medical marijuana but only if you have state-approved diseases. Why? I don't know. Episode 25. Why can the police go ahead and just shoot anyone they like just to make an arrest? That's what the law says. And the cops, bam, follow it all the time. That teenager in East Pittsburgh running away from the cop, cop pulled out a gun, shot him in the back, killed him. He's honorated. He's allowed to. That's what the law says. Law says if you're effecting an arrest, you can use deadly force. Got me a break. Why? Where do politicians get off making laws like that? And someone, please tell me why these things are being investigated by internal affairs police boards. Isn't that like the fox guarding the hen house? Why? I don't know. Episode five. Why are taxpayers forced to pay for primaries? I'm repeating myself now, especially those of us who don't belong to the, who belong, who do don't belong to the two old parties. I gotta relax. I already talked about this. We libertarians pay for our own. I mentioned this in the beginning of the show, but still worth its mentioning twice because millions of your tax dollars are going for someone else's boondoggle. Why? I don't know. Episode 28. Why don't we have initiative and referendum in Pennsylvania, especially when Article 1, Section 2 says, quote, all power is inherent in people and they have at all times an inalienable and indefeasible right to alter, reform, or abolish their government in such manner as they think proper. Why isn't it proper to have initiative and referendum? I think we had self-government here. Where did it go? I don't know. From episode two, why don't we have yield signs instead of stop signs? That's how people treat stop signs. They treat them as a yield sign. Why don't we change the law to match everybody's behavior? I don't know. 
Why hasn't that spammer Oscar from episode 35? Why hasn't he answered my invitation to come on the show? I don't know. I can see I'm out of time. There's still more. I can go on and on as if I haven't already. Because there's still a lot more unanswered questions from past episodes of the Pennsylvania Project. Enough to fill another rant, and I will count on it. But let me instead sum it them all up in one single unanswered question from episode 39 and episode 42. Except I'm not going to take credit for this question. It's a line from a song by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. In a land that's known for freedom, how can such a thing be fair? And on that questioning note, that's going to have to wrap it up for episode 43 of the Pennsylvania Project. What do you think about our unanswered questions? Do you have some of your own? What, about, what do you think about sexual abuse, pedophile priests, spammers? Do you have an opinion about anything Pennsylvania-related? If you have something to say, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com right after you sign our petition, that is. And you can also hear us there, too, <clears throat> excuse me, hear us there too, as well as on iTunes and other popular podcast providers. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting in Philadelphia at 860 on the AM dial every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And now broadcasting in Kutztown on KUR Radio at 1670 AM dial every Monday at 7 a.m. with the Sunrise Toastmasters, I guess. And released every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com as a podcast. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley, marketing guru Connor Dragotis, featured Toastmaster narrator Ed Metz, featured Toastmaster cohort distinguished Toastmaster Kate Conti, keyboard wizard Joe the Pag in the background there, radio producer Brett Kronberger doing a great job, executive producer Mark Bazzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem.